we always start these episodes off with some sort of ridiculous story from our lives, but this is going to be in a situation where the actual episode is the ridiculous story. So this episode was recorded two weeks ago. Uh, we were joined by Sean McDaniel and Jimmy Oblata, the GM and coach, respectively, of the Chattanooga Red Wolves. And unfortunately, uh, I had a honeydew list that had to get worked on, which included uh, remodeling a bathroom and a laundry room. And that took precedence over editing the episode. There were probably opportunities prior to today to get this editing completed, but those, those opportunities were not taken advantage of. So, without further ado, here's a great interview from two weeks ago. Enjoy. Soccer chat with two T's, because we're going to chat about soccer, but we're also in Chattanooga, so it's like a play on words, and you know, Chattanooga is a soccer city. So, uh, everybody, welcome to a special preseason episode of Soccer Chat. Alex and Jeff are here with Coach Jimmy Oblada, and uh, hopefully Sean McDaniel will be hopping on in a little bit as well. But uh, thanks so much for taking the time to, to hang out with us, Coach. Absolutely. My pleasure. So I think really the best place to start, our last episode... Uh, we've got to praise Jeff's clairvoyance in talking mm. about the re-signing of Ami Pineda, which got announced in between us recording the episode and us putting the episode out for uh, people to listen to. He was a guy that you brought in, kind of the, the straw that was supposed to stir the drink and had an injury early in the season. How does having Ami Pineda back for a third year, how does that help the uh, the plans you have for the upcoming year? Well, I mean, um, you know, unfortunately, Ami went down last year with uh, with that injury that uh, that uh, affected him and affected the team. Um, you know, and he was he was somebody that um, I think everyone from from our team and even in League One was uh, was um, was very interested in seeing him play and what he could do this this season. So, you know, with with um, with that, we felt that with the players that we were bringing in and the type of player and the quality that we were bringing in, Ami Pineda would be someone that would continue to, um, would be someone that can, we continue to count on to, you know, to, to do what we need him to do, you know, to be the guy that kind of runs the, runs the, the engine, runs the, runs the machine for us. Um, you know, everything, everything hopefully being well that he comes back a hundred percent and fully recovered, which we're fully uh, expecting that. He's going to be the guy that um, that uh, can do that for us, you know. And one year older, and he's married and with a baby now, so a lot more mature. So we're expecting to see a a, a new army, a new revived army for the new season. Now, I uh, yeah, looking at who else is returning, it's been announced. Uh, Walefi's back. Yes. Roe is back. Yes. Marky is back. Ricky is back. Ricketts, Jonathan Ricketts is back, Jason Ramos and Tim Trilk. Yes, sir. They're all coming back. And can you confirm that Tim Trilk is smooth as silk as far as his saving of goals? <laughs> well, uh, that's uh, that's what we're expecting him to be. I mean, we <laughs> we we offered him another year, you know, he, what he did last year off the field and what we're hoping for him to do on the field uh, has uh, has we have great expectations for him. So, yes, we're 
we're uh, we're planning on him to be as silky uh, on the field as he is off of it. Now, I want to go over some of the new signings. Just an observation, and uh, before I go over Jackson, Jackson, as far as I know, is the only forwards who's been signed so far. But that seems to be a, a position where we've had some more outgoing. Now, is Jackson a uh, more of a striker, or what kind of player is uh, Jackson Dietrich? Well, I think you know. I mean, if you look at the players that we've kind of signed. Uh... You know the the younger ones up top. Uh, they can play, they can play uh, a, a variety of positions up there. You know they could play the seven, the eleven. Uh, they can play the nine. They can play the ten. So I mean, Jackson comes in a, as a forward, but I mean he comes in as a forward that can play that can play numerous positions up in the um, in the front line. So I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say you know he's an out and out striker. Um, he's got qual- he's got qualities that can. Uh, that can allow us to throw different um, different things at at the opponent. So he, uh, you know, one of the one of the gifts that he has is he's left footed. So that makes him a good soccer player because there are no average left footed soccer players. You're either really really good or good. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. There's there's no there's no bad left footed soccer player. So um, so he's uh, he's uh, he has that. Um, and he's got, uh, you know, he's got a little extra. So we, we're, we're hoping a, a lot from him as far as uh, he can play up top in, in a numerous different uh, slots up there. Now, the first signing, I think, of the new signings you had announced uh, as a central midfielder, uh, Jose uh, Carrera, uh, Carrera Garcia. Now, yep. he's got, like, uh, Liga MX and championship experience. Uh, talk to me, where does he fit in the mix? Uh, where does he fit on the field for you? Oh, well, I mean, he's, he's another guy. I mean, again, he's a guy that's going to come in and with Wally and with, uh, with Ami, I mean, with his experience and he's very dynamic. He's a young man that can play the six if we want him to hold or, or -hmm. we can have him play the eight if he wants to come forward. So he's a very dynamic young man and with a wealth of experience that, um, that, uh, that we're looking for him to, to be an intricate part of, of what we're doing this next, uh, this next season. Very good. Now, um, one of the ones that when we saw this this player's name, I got to say we got really excited. His name is Jimmy Villalobos. First of all, yeah. he's, he's named after you, but his <laughs> last name is the City of Wolves. So this person, he has to play with the Red Wolves, right? Yeah, he doesn't have a choice. That's it. That's it. That's absolutely it. So what does he bring in? Uh, is it similar uh, to Jose or is it, uh, how is he? Uh, no, 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 no. He, this young man is very different. I don't want to say very different, but he's different in the sense of what, what, uh, what he, um, uh, I mean, from a soccer sense, they're both very good soccer players, you know, but one brings a little bit more, you know, Villalobos scores a lot of goals. He gets himself in the box. Uh, you know, he can, he, he makes good runs into the box. Um he, he can, if we, again, another player that if we want to put him deeper, you know, he can, he can spray the field with his range of passing. Um, and uh, he's, again, he's a young man that's very, uh, as good of a soccer player, but different. If, if that, you know, I mean, um, Carrera is very up and down dynamic. Uh, Jimmy Villalobos is, is good control tempo of the game. And once he gets into 20, 25 yards out, he, he, he creates a lot and, and again, the most important thing, he scores a lot of goals. Now he's played with Ricky as well as Jose. Is that correct? He, you know, a lot of them have all played together. You know what I mean? I mean, um, mm. 
actually Villalobos went to school with Jason Ramos. They uh they really? both went, yeah they both went to school together, played there together. Um, you know, Villalobos was a player we wanted to bring in last year, but unfortunately, just it didn't happen. Um, so we finally got him. We were able to get him this year, but yeah, they uh um they went to school together, and yeah, Ricky knows. I mean a lot of these guys have played together for a very long time. They've known each other from just where they're coming from. So, um, but the closest connection is, uh, is Ramos to him. All right. And then uh, there's another midfielder we're having on here. Now we, I didn't see uh, that we have Josue Soto this year, but I guess there always has to be a Josue because we have Josue España. Yeah. Uh, now he, uh, he's came from the LA galaxy, uh, uh, Academy, is that correct? Uh, well, he he went to. I, I mean, he played at the LA Galaxy Academy, and then he went to UCSB um, uh, Division One program in uh, Santa Barbara. Okay, um, and uh, and he's a young man that we've watched, uh, we followed. I mean, I followed him from his his uh, actually his his Galaxy days when he was when he was a younger uh, when he was younger, um, and then when uh, when he went on to UCSB. Um, now that's a young man. Where I mean, we're expecting a lot from him as far as how dynamic he is and his ability to just get forward and again in tight spaces, um, scores goals. I mean, again, just very similar. I mean, a lot of the guys were getting a very similar in in their attributes, just different in the way they express it. So Espana uh, is going to be very. Um, if you isolate him, he's going to take you on. He's he's about five eight, five nine, so he's a good good sized player, um, mm-hmm. physically strong. So he'll be able to take people on and, and he has a great burst of speed uh, about 15 over 15 20 yards that uh, I think could 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 make a big difference especially against uh, some of the defenders we go up against here now uh, we do have a new goalkeeper signed and of course uh, a lot of us have known about Tim Troke for a while but we haven't seen him in game time though we would watch him warm up and we know his skills but now you're also bringing in Sebastian Mora Mora so how much more Amora does he bring? <laughs> well, I mean, listen, it, it's one of the things that we felt is so important for our team this year and, and for um, for uh, just the environment, the culture we want to create is, is competitiveness, right? I mean, every player has to feel that that uh, that their job is not guaranteed, their position is not guaranteed, and uh, and they have to know that you know, that they have to work every practice. Uh, what Sebastian brings is, you know, he brings a w- years of experience. I mean, he's only 24, 25, but he's already played in uh, the Liga Ascenso in Mexico. He's been in Reno. He, he's played in some other um, um, second division teams in Mexico. So he brings a wealth of experience from at such a young age. And, uh, you know, very good with the ball at his feet. Some of the things that, something that we, we've, we've, uh, we've asked uh, our goalkeepers to be better and more comfortable with the ball at their feet to play um he's got a good range of you know just the ball comes to his feet and he's very very comfortable so it doesn't um it doesn't uh if we want to continue to build out and and play out with him we can so i mean he just again just brings in another another challenge for for us as the coaching staff and for me as the head coach to say okay tim this is yours but you know you have somebody biting biting at your heels to to get a spot there so Adam and I are old school goalkeepers where, you know, in my high school career, I think I can count on two fingers the number of times that my defenders played a ball back to me. How, <laughs> yeah. how has there has the game changed where, you know, you're looking for goalkeepers who are a lot more nimble on their feet, skilled with the ball, 
Um, you know, where where did the game change to kind of call for keepers to start playing that ball with their feet and, and becoming part of um, playing the ball out of the back and moving into the attack that way? Well, I think, uh, you know, that's with time. I mean, if you look at the evolution of the game of soccer, I mean, it's made it more and more. It, it's it's the goalkeeper has less and less uh, chance to use his hand. I, I kid around. And I say in the next 10 years, they're going to say the keeper can't use his hands in the box, you know, from. <laughs> When, when I was a kid, you know, you could, the keeper could pick it up, put it down, pick it up, roll it out. You could pass it to the keeper and he can pick it up and, you know, and walk with it and do everything. Then they change it to, you couldn't pass it back. You only had four steps. So, so the game has evolved to, to make it more and more difficult. And I don't want to say difficult, uh, just more and more. The, the goalkeeper doesn't have the facility, the, as e, the ease to be able to, just get a ball back. And, and again, it's evolved the game and it's allowed for more goals. It's allowed for, you know, more entertaining soccer. So, so with that being said, you know, the, the, the great coaches of, of, of the past and of the, you know, the present right now, I mean, have, have evolved the keeper into becoming another field player. You know, I say, even with the, with the younger kids, you know, the, the goalkeeper should be the best soccer player on the field. Cause he's the one that deals with the most difficult passes. He, he deals with the most difficult situations and he has to be able to deal with it. So for me, I'm of the idea the goalkeeper has to be the best soccer player in the field. And and now he becomes another field player. So, I mean, he's always been a field player, but now with his ability to to, to hit a ball and ranges of passing, now it gives you, um, it gives you just a different, uh, a different way of planning the game, a different way of looking at the game, a different way of, of breaking a team down. Um, you know, if, if a team wants to press high and the ball comes to the goalkeeper – um, you could always hit it, you know, 60 yards in behind, you know, um, there's always, you know, now that the keeper can, can play with the ball at his feet or is good with the ball at his feet, it just gives you so much more, um, variety in what you want to do. And what, and the ones that aren't very good with the ball at his feet struggle. I mean, that's the reality of today's game. The ones that aren't good with the ball at their feet, um, you know, they just limit, they limit their, their possibility of, of, of moving up or, or being successful at, at, uh, at the level they want to play at. So we've also got a couple of defenders that have been signed. One of them, um, Jorge Luna, is coming from playing in first division in Paraguay, uh, a little bit in Uruguay. Uh, of course, your career, you're familiar with um, South American leagues and things like that. How does uh, the, you know, the Paraguayan first division compare to USL League One? What kind of experience is he bringing? Well, I mean, um, the year the experience, I mean, he's 26, you know, he's played in the first division. I think he almost, he has over a hundred games playing in the first division in, in, in Paraguay, in Venezuela, in Uruguay. Um, you know, he's, he's been in the, probably the most difficult, uh, environments that you can play in. It's hard to, it's hard to really explain to people some of the environments that, that, uh, players that play in those leagues there have to deal with, um, you know, aside from, Aside from the soccer part, but just the environment of, of you know the opponent and uh, and the fans and the supporters and all that stuff. So he's he's been there, done that. He's uh, he's also played you know on the youth national teams in Venezuela. You know he, the the young man is has a wealth of experience. Um, you know, and 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 I'm gonna say it. It's in his DNA. You know, I mean he's he's Uruguayan by 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 his parents, and and that's something that many people don't understand. Uh, you know. 
that's something somebody's born with a certain DNA when 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 you're Uruguayan and you have that you have that in your blood uh, to be able to deal and play in those circumstances. So I would say you know the the the, the Paraguayan first division. I mean it's it's a very good division. I mean. I don't want to dismiss the the value of the USL League One, but I think I would say that the year the Peru the Paraguayan First Division, from a soccer standpoint, is probably a little bit better, just from the the, the environment, the competitiveness um, uh, of what it is. But um, and again, that's why we were able to bring someone uh, that brings that experience of being there uh, to come uh, to come play for us this year. Now there's another defender, uh, Jonathan Esparza. Uh, he's yep. coming in with a lot of experience also with uh, with uh, Liga MX. But kind of like uh, Jonathan Ricketts, he has experience playing all over the field, not just as a defender, but also as a forward and midfielder. So is he gonna, is he one of those players that's going to be a little interchangeable for you? Or what's your yeah, plan for him? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's a, he's a young man that, again, you know, I, I, one of the things we did really in the offseason and look and really find those 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 guys that fit what we're looking for from a DNA standpoint, from an attitude standpoint, from a soccer standpoint, and from an experience standpoint. And Jonathan kind of he um, he uh, you know he was able to check all those boxes and stuff. So you know he he's a young man that if we want to put him as a left back. If we want to play with three in the back, he can play as a wing back. Um, if we want to play him through the middle, he can play the middle. He's got a throw in that could probably probably go from end to end. Uh, of the, yeah, so. So he brings, you know, and again, the the thing is, again, looking at the players that we signed, they, you know, they have experience playing in difficult situations and tough environments. Um, and that makes it easier for me or even as the head coach. And even when we go into some of these places that they've, they've seen this picture before and, and, and it's, and it's just another day in the office for them. Um, so another important one that we're bringing in is a center back, Daniel Navarro. Now he yep. had uh, a little bit of time that he played with the Red Wolves in the first season uh, before we started making jokes about him going into the uh, witness protection program. So <laughs> apparently his uh, his testimony is done and and he's able to come out of the shadows. But what uh, what kind of experience as a center back does he bring and, and how is that going to help anchor the back line? Well, again, you know, I mean, we, we looked at guys that um, have a wealth of experience, you know, that fit. The, the important thing for us is fit the culture and the identity and what we want um, the team to represent and look like. Um, when I first got here last year um, and we were, you know, figuring out the center back position, people kept on talking about Daniel Navarro and, you know, he was, you know, he got, he played a half a game or something like that, or a game and then was hurt and had to, had to leave. But, you know, his name always popped up and always came, um, was always, uh, was always in the topic of conversation. So, so I was able to watch him this last season where he played with the Oakland roots, um, you know, just see how he did and stuff. And not for any other reason than just to watch soccer and, and, you know, see, you know, what people, uh, you know, when people talk about someone see if I see the same things and, you know, I saw a young man that has a tremendous presence about him, a calmness, um, a, a quiet, quiet leadership um, that for us, again, we bring and And again, he, he defends. He's a defender that can defend. And, and if we ask him to play, he can play. So he fits uh, he fits that 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 experience that uh, we want to build. Um, and, and again, continuing to not change our principles of how we play. 
a defender that can defend and that can uh, can also play forward when we have to get forward. So uh, I'm very excited about Navarro. And again, he's gonna he's gonna challenge the guys that are here already. Um, you know, uh, you know, Jason and Luna. That it's like I said it said earlier. It's it's good to have um, competition because competition uh, makes players better. You know. Yeah. Cool. So we do have Sean McDaniel joining us now. Sean, thanks so much for uh, for being part of the program. Um, we'll just throw a, a you know we've gone through the players that have been signed and the players that are returning. Um, you know, I know you can't really talk out of school, but how many additional names are you looking to bring in, and and what other kind of negotiations are you having right now as you finalize the team for preseason? Well, you know, look first. Thanks again for having having us on. We appreciate what you guys do to to help build and promote the Red Wolves. You know, I, I think um, I think we have a couple of big names that are uh, about to be announced here in the next two weeks, one in particular that we've worked really hard to, to get in here. And, um, you know, look, we had to replace some players. I'm sure Coach Oblade has already discussed this when we sat down and really had to peel apart the roster. Where, where were we uh, deficient or where did we need to – to, to build. And certainly as we got our midfield and, and our back set, you know, we moved our attention to up front. And so I think we have some, some pretty exciting announcements on, you know, the last pieces of the puzzle as we go into preseason here in the next two weeks. As you guys are, you know, the, the, at least the team, the season format has been released. Uh, there's been a lot of news in the league of, you know, North Carolina FC joining, uh, a lot of teams that are going to be joining in the years coming. Um, how how much does North Carolina FC help the league uh, coming in to to join us in 2021? Well, immediately the impact's pretty pretty strong and pretty good. Not- most notably because they're they're geographically favorable to where we have to go. So when you talk about travel, um, it's it's pretty easy trip with respect to how far we have to go. But secondly, they're, they're an established brand. They're an established uh, academy, established professional side. They have women's professional soccer. So having them in league one just really heightens the credibility over uh, any of these other type of startup leagues. I'm very excited uh, to North Carolina is not just planning to play, but they're playing this year. I think that's, that's really important for us. Um, now the plan isn't to start if I'm understanding, we probably won't be having our first home match until sometime in May or has that, is that still being worked on? Yeah, that's right, Jeff. So what's, what's on the table right now is league one will be given the opportunity for some rolling starts. And by that, there will be some teams, particularly in the South, that will have the opportunity to kick off in April. And then the rest of the league will all be playing by May 8th. And for us, you know, of course, we have a brand new stadium still going up and around us. Our, our hope is to kick off at home uh, in late May. So we might have to be on the road the first couple of games in May. We do not have a desire to kick in April. Um, so by May 8th, we expect to be on the road for at least one or two matches and then kicking off at home by, by late May, the league has indicated we should have a draft of the schedule, uh, late this week, early next. And 
being finalized in the next two, maybe three weeks. So how does um, that information affect your planning for preseason camp, uh, preseason friendlies? What are what are you guys looking as you're laying out those plans for what preseason schedule is going to look like for the players? Well, a lot of it's contingent still on what the USL Players Association requires as far as reintegrating players into a market. Um, you know, the the days of just guys showing up, moving into their apartments and getting started are over for now. There's a there's a reintegration period, likely seven days, two negative tests, particularly our guys coming internationally, they'll have to be negative before they can even enter the US. So with with that protocol in place, it it looks like we'll start guys report in and get started that last week of March. You know, Jimmy and I have been discussing this pretty, pretty aggressively in the last few days as the season's coming online, but we, we want to get going no later than the last week of, of March, have the full preseason through April so that we're kicking off in May. As far as preseason, again, the conversations have literally just started. The good news is we've got a number of USL championship sides, uh, around us that um, we feel we can get a, a few games anyway to help us uh, be ready to kick off. Okay, well, last year, one of the things, uh, if we weren't able to make the match, either through COVID or if it was a, an away match, we were, we've been really blessed to watch the Red Wolves on ESPN+. And so my, um, my question is twofold. First of all, are we, is it still planning to be back on ESPN plus or are we on a different platform this year? And then I have a follow-up. We are on ESPN plus and, and for the foreseeable future, the league has uh, probably not surprisingly some really, really strong numbers just uh, due to the fact that so many fans were not allowed in any of the venues across league one or championship. And in league one, uh, the Chattanooga Red Wolves were the highest viewed uh, League One team across all of League One with over 10,000 viewers per match. So, you know, that's a pretty strong uh, indicator of how popular I think the Red Wolves are, particularly to those uh, outside our market as we continue building um, not just the team and the, the culture, like Jimmy said, and the, the way we play all the other pieces around it. There's, there are a lot of eyeballs on the, on the set and ESPN plus is where it'll be. Fantastic. Now I know you're putting in or, or Bob's putting in a nice new jumbotron right on the stadium this year. So uh, do you think on some of the away matches, we could just come to the stadium and watch it on the jumbotron together? I think you could watch it on the jumbotron from the air as you're flying from Atlanta to Chattanooga. It's that big. <laughs> The the <laughs> idea of parking people in the stadium is something that's definitely uh, on the, the whiteboard for us to consider. And, and even beyond games, just to be able to utilize that, that asset well for a lot of things. Um, you know, a lot of it depends, too, on how, again, what we're allowed to do inside the stadium. But, yeah, that's a it's a big it's a big jumbotron. It's largest in in the area here. And. Uh, something we're we're very proud to get up. So, Jimmy, in regards to you know, kind of having a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to COVID, you know, we're we're still not sure exactly what all is going to be involved in protocols, and and of course, the health and safety of the players is foremost. But 
as things start to kind of loosen up and people are allowed to interact again, what are you most excited about with uh, the players and the fans and kind of building that community around the Red Wolves? Well, I think, I mean, you saw the, you saw the little bit that we did under the, in the COVID COVID world, right? The, the, the relationship, the team built with the fans and with the community and stuff and the support, I think, you know, in, in a non-COVID world, you know, that, that that's multiplied by a hundred, right? I mean, the ability for players to, to go and attend, uh, you know, events uh, for fans to come and meet the players to do, you know, one of the things we want to do is a uh, meet and greet with the players, invite all the people to come and uh, spend a day, you know, watch a train session and after that, uh, you know, sign autographs and stuff. So, I mean, that there's the, the possibilities of what we can do is endless and, and we're going to do it. I mean, again, considering last year's COVID world and how limited we were, I think the group built a great rapport with, uh, with the, uh, with the fans that, uh, you know, under limited conditions and, and this time this year, it's going to even uh, be better. So do you and Kevin have a new excuse ready to duck our soccer tennis challenge once those restrictions are lifted? Well, I was just, I, you know, the, I thought your question about who we're signing um, was for you because I thought you'd want to come and try out. So I don't even know why why we didn't have a, a soccer tennis. Why don't you just come and try out? You know what I mean? <laughs> I you know they the I can't remember what club it was, but there was that that goalkeeper that was on the bench during an FA Cup match eating a meat pie. I could definitely be the third goalkeeper uh, that sits on the bench and eats brisket. I would have no problem with that. <laughs> Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, hey, we'll have to. We'll do it for a, a, um, a brisket night. We'll we'll do it. At, you'll be the honorary third goalkeeper for that. There you go. Brisket night, Coach Jimmy. You are my absolute favorite coach of all time. If you have brisket <laughs> night, you will be. You are a legend. <laughs> so I, I know it's going to be uh, not quite how we want it this year. We expect that COVID is not going to magically go away by May. But uh, there are things that are getting better and better. And it sounds like not only are the Red Wolves coming back to our stadium, but the Lady Red Wolves should hopefully be playing in the stadium this year. And if Dalton gets back, wasn't the plan for them to also be playing at uh, some of their matches at CHI? Yeah, again, the the stadium, uh, the the beauty about it is uh, the – the way it can be used for for multiple events beyond just the first team. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got our, our Lady Red Wolves, the the opportunity to our two team in there, even some showcase uh, academy teams. We've already been announced for the high school girls championships yeah. this, later this fall, the NCAA. So I think what we're already seeing, uh, even in the very early, early stages of the stadium uh, development is it, it's being sold and it's being rented out and it's being used for community and you know like you said just a minute ago Jeff as as restrictions lift as COVID becomes uh, hopefully a thing of the past we get more and more people in the stadium and more and more um, elements to to be able to draw people there and have a great time for whatever the event may be. So one of the uh, unfortunate casualties of last summer was the USL League Two season. What expectations um, are you guys having around League Two with the the clubs in Park City and the Dalton Red Wolves uh, as you go forward into the summer? 
Well, I think from I can answer the first part of it and then probably turn it over from Jimmy because there's really two components, the the branding and the this the size and scope of the Red Wolves goes well beyond Chattanooga. It 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 now goes into North Georgia. It goes out to, you know, Utah, Southern California. So when we look at the the scale and the global size of the the Red Wolves brand, the Red Wolves crest, the Red Wolves everything, it it's a reach that goes far beyond just CHI Memorial Stadium. And and that's done by putting these uh stakes in the ground across the country from League Two, women's game, uh, and Academy. Very cool. So Jimmy, as you're looking at, you know, developing young players uh to create kind of a pipeline from the academy through uh the first team, you're you're right now we can kind of hear in the background some of the the whistles and things you're watching are U19 Academy. They've That's had correct. six kids that have um that have signed with Division 1 college programs and a couple others that are playing at uh lower level colleges. What kind of expectations does that program have? How do you see them developing this year? Uh, you know, is it possible we'll see some of them this summer in Dalton? Well, I, I would even I would go farther to say you might see some of them playing with us um, on the first team. Um, hmm. You know, I think I think you know first I I do have to I do have to um, commend uh, Danny McBride and and Derek Green and you know what they've done with the with the program and um, and you know Matt Yelton prior to leaving um, and you know it's pretty amazing that in three years. Uh, what what they've built with with the academy and stuff and and the fact that there's potential players that we can one invite into our preseason two eventually sign to a professional contract and three uh, play for us um, and with with the ultimate goal of them playing and doing well and us being able to uh, move them on to uh, to a bigger better contract and and move players on right I mean so because that's that's where the game is heading in today's world uh, being able to to uh, develop players and sell them to bigger markets and, you know, overseas and stuff. So they're, they're, you know, the expectations are that, you know, these, these young men uh, understand where they're at, uh, understand the opportunities that this club is giving them um, to value that, to understand that if, if they, uh, they, you know, do their part and work on their game and work on themselves as individuals and as people that they're going to have a true path to the pros. Um, and that, you know, that, that they, they have a legitimate chance to, to, uh, to playing professional soccer and, 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 and making a career out of it, you know? So, and for some that don't, I mean, check it out. You got six kids going to division one, you have other ones going to lower schools. I mean, you know, professional soccer is not for everyone. So that's, that's the beauty. Again, I, I, I take my hat, my hat off to Danny McBride and, and what he's done with, with this group. And, you know, yesterday I went to, uh, to their, um, a college, uh, like a training, uh, they had, I think like 15, 20 college coaches there. Um, you know, and again, we we're as Sean was saying, uh, you know, we, we, we're hitting all levels and, and we're, we're reaching every aspect to be able to give every, every player the opportunity that, uh, that he wants. So, um, so yeah, we're, we're, we're very excited. I'm, I'm actually enjoying watching the game here right now. And even though it's, this is not California weather, it's a little bit cold here, but, um, you know, we, we got to do it. We got to suck it up a little bit, but, um, no, it's, uh, there's some, there's some talent and there's even some younger talent, you know, Oh, fives, a couple of sixes that we looked at, 
um, again, they're they're not too young. If they can if they can play, then they have a chance, you know. <laughs> All right, I got one one last thing for both of you. Uh, of course, last year was the inaugural year for CHI Memorial. Is there a one moment that has just stuck in your brain since we stopped playing? And ex- what's been the experience of the new stadium that you've just cherished in your heart? Yeah, you know, for me, I, 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 there were so many moments last year. I think, you know, to summarize the, the, the whole, you know, just seeing, seeing what, what, um, what was, was being built, you know, from a, from a soccer standpoint with the, you know, with the stadium going up, but also seeing the support of the people again, you know, I look back at the Tuesday, Tuesday midweek game. I mean, you know, for, for a socially distanced that we had to be, there was still a lot of people at that game. And that, that means that, uh, that the soccer and, and the environment was right for people and they believe in what we're doing. And, and, and I guess for me, from a personal standpoint, that's, that's the satisfaction and that I get from seeing that people are enjoying what they're seeing and they're, they're coming to support what, what is being built because, uh, it's only the beginning, guys. I really believe that. And once COVID kind of takes its back seat and becomes a a, a page in history, you're you're going to see something very incredible with you know the stadium packed and you know it's going to be an amazing environment. Um. So just kind of a couple rapid fire fun questions. What is what is your favorite soccer book that you've read? Ooh, my favorite soccer book. Oh, that's a good one. Um, uh, I want to say high fidelity. That's, uh, about the, uh, the Arsenal one. Um, uh, the Arsenal story It was actually about a fan that, so that's, that's, I read it like 50 years ago though, but, uh, it's probably my favorite <laughs> one. So Jimmy, of course, you know, your, your season was a little, little strange. So what in your career, um, you know, playing professionally, uh, around South America and some in the United States, what was your favorite road trip? What was my favorite road trip? Yeah, as a as a player, what was your your favorite place to you know to visit and play at? Oh man, well listen, my favorite place and I'll say this uh, was Fort Lauderdale, man. That place, that place knew how to party, man. I'll, I'll, I'll remember like the first <laughs> the first time I, I got called in and um, we uh, we played a inter- international friendly at um, what is it at uh, what's the the old Miami Stadium? Um, that was it, Lockhart. No, 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 no. The one in Miami, the where the Dolphins played at. The oh yeah, the Orange Bowl. Bowl. Yeah. So, so uh, with a couple of guys after the game, we decided to go out, and wow, that, that that place is it's unbelievable. Miami at in the on a Saturday night is pretty crazy. So to this day, I got some uh, some fond fond memories of that that trip. <laughs> All right, Jeff, you got anything else? No, I'm going to have to start prepping for uh, the Super Bowl. So uh, I'm going to have to compensate because if, if Jimmy's on the cleanse, someone else has to eat all the snacks. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, Adam Adam wanted to be here, but uh, but I had put some money into uh, put our show funds into uh, retail video game store stocks. And uh, he's a little upset with me, so he wasn't able to join us. Uh, but <laughs> He does. Uh, he does send his best, and uh, you know we were hoping to kind of get together, uh, you know, in person safely uh, at Charlie's Barbecue and do this. But uh, but Jeff unfortunately hurt his back a little bit, and he's the guy that lugs all the video equipment. So um, 
I think it's shocking that in two years we've only had one back injury on Soccer Chat. Uh, but uh, we're really hoping we can, you know, get together and do something like this soon and, and have it on video and be able to share it with the folks. But we really appreciate how uh, available you guys have been and willing to, to join us as, you know, as we kind of act like knuckleheads and get to talk soccer. Um, we really wish you luck in the upcoming season. Yeah, thanks, guys. And seriously, uh, you know, it's always a pleasure to be here with you guys and um, talk about the, this great club that we have. So whatever, anytime, we're, we're here for you. All right. Well, that is uh, Sean McDaniel and Jimmy Obleda, and uh, we will be back with another episode of Soccer Chat sometime in the near future. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.